Ding, ding, ding. And in this corner, (laughs) Sister Christian Kendrick. (laughs) Well, let me tell you this. Uh, This is not a fight. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you want to bet? However, you're going to be completely wrong in this episode, just so you know. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Hey, everybody. Today is Thursday, June 3rd, 2021. Happy Pride Month. This is the Producers Happy Hour. And on this episode, we are having a fight. We're going to talk about union jobs and non-union jobs and uh, everything in between. Oh, it's going to be a fight for sure, y'all. We are two producers on opposite coast. Lawrence Lewis is in L.A. and I'm Sister Christian in New York City. And we're chatting over drinks about what it means to be a good producer, understanding that it's more important today than ever before. And we want to hear from you, so please join the conversation at ProducersHappyHourGroup.com or email us at ProducersHappyHour at gmail.com. Send us your questions, comments, ideas for the show, anything you want. And listen up. We need you. We need you to love us and rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts because it really helps other people like you find the show. You know, algorithms and shit. And if you have questions for us, join us for office hours. Office hours are open. We believe in mentorship and sharing information in this business. So if you are new to the industry or you're stuck somewhere in your career, or just want some advice, hit us up. Same email, producershappyhour at gmail.com. Let us know you'd like to have office hours. All right. Lawrence. Yes. What are you drinking Christian. A much uh, well-deserved. Well, obviously, we've been very busy, which is why the show didn't come out yesterday. Apologies to the listeners. Or last week. Or last week. <laughs> yeah. We're a day a week and a day. We're a week and a day behind. It's been uh it's been very interesting uh, the na- the navigating this land this busy little landscape out very there. Very so. busy landscape. So to reward myself for a very busy week, I'm having a Negroni again, one of my classics, one of my staples, but this one is from Red Dog Saloon out here in uh, Pioneer Town in Joshua Tree. And uh, they can it for you to go uh, because to-go cocktails might stick around for a while. Apparently, it got extended until the end of the year, at least in California. Uh, yeah, hopefully to go. To go, <laughs> yeah. So uh, what are you drinking? So I'm at work, so I'm going to have to indulge. Um, okay. I'm still working. You're still so working. So I'm going to have to let you indulge for me. But I can say that I um, did sneak a gummy about two hours ago because I've just had it up to here. And so I'm pretty, feeling Good. pretty mellow. Good. <laughs> if, Good. If you must know. <laughs> I must know. Thank you for sharing. So it's been busy. It's been crazy. How are you doing? I feel like this year has been a theme of us, you know, talking about frantic busyness. So I am, I'm done with that. Like, uh, because it's just become, it's just become is what it is. And if you keep pointing it out, it's just, you know, like I've adjusted to it. It's frantic. It's like, it's nutty. Right. Um, But I'm, I'm really suffering from a little bit right now is not having any personal time to do anything. I feel like I'm, working like really crazy hours and nothing's ever getting completed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's and you're intense. in Joshua tree right now, right? I'm like I, super jelly. I am in Joshua tree. I had to get out. I'm still working from out here and it's been very busy, but uh, it's at least a, a nicer place to, to work from, to get away from, you know, get away from the city, less distractions. I can focus on work. 
And uh, yeah, that's what I've been doing. And it has been nutty. It's, it's, it's very busy. A lot of overlapping. It's like, you know, we used to say it was used to be bidding, shooting, rapping, bidding, shooting, rapping. But now it's like rapping, shooting, bidding, rapping, bidding, shooting, rapping, because all the jobs are overlapping and uh, there's just a lot going on. So, you know, to your point, you're missing some personal time. That's a really important thing is to make sure that we are keeping, keeping track of our self-care, right? And making sure that we take that time and finding that balance. I'd like to fully and absolutely admit that um, my mental health is suffering because Mm -hmm. of it. And my ability to be the person that I feel like I am, the teacher, the mentor, the producer, the, all of those things, I, I, I'm feeling like I can't be any of them good. So I don't, it's, it's just, uh, I, I'm not a half-assed kind of person. So I'm just going to be frank out there with everybody right now. It's, it's, it's really hard right now. And I, I, I know it's just really hard because, because we, we're taught as production people to like always want to do and be in like a ha- and like do a good job. And mm-hmm. it's frustrating because um, when you know, you're, when you know you're giving more than a hundred percent and that's not enough, it's and you're even expressing that to people. Yeah. And it's um it's it's really tough right now. Yeah. It is. We all want to be the best at what we do and it's so ingrained in us that we have to be the best at what we do. And at the pace we're going, it's it's next to impossible. I know, and that's why I'm very looking much forward to owning you in this argument that we're going to today. Because <laughs> at least it's something that I know I, know I can win. <laughs> I know. Oh, let me let me snap out of this. <laughs> well, oh, and here's another little tip for you ladies out there. Like, there is absolutely something to be said about. Um, there's absolutely something to be said about crying because when you cry, um, you. Uh, you reset yourself and then you can take a deep breath and you can, you know, you can breathe again and your, your brain, it clears your brain. And, and, and that's that's applicable to the men too. (laughs) I want to, I want to say it, you know, uh, we, we all have to pay attention to our, our uh, mental health and expressing emotions is a good, is a powerful tool to, to be able to do that. And like you said, clear yourself and reset and, uh, and express, uh, you know, some of the struggles that we're going through and we have to be a little more vocal about it to each other and to people we feel safe with. Uh, so I'm glad you feel safe sharing that with me and, of course, the entire audience. <laughs> yeah, and I also think that um, what, what goes missing is, you know, the times where I would be in the motorhome bathroom as a coordinator crying and knowing that my staff would not, like the people above me would not have understood. And so I make sure that I give a safe place for everybody below me, above me, wherever, to be able to have these, these to, ha- yeah. to feel safe, a safe place. Um, it's, uh, it's, you know, just to never know um, what somebody's going through and to allow them to, you know, take a personal moment is nobody does it. Nobody allows yeah. it. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, it's not allowed in this business. It's not not allowed in this business we're not you, you're considered weak yeah there's no such thing as calling in sick there's no such thing yeah. as as uh needing a taking a personal day like the way it's structured it just does not work that way 
So it, it yeah, it, it, I mean the culture is the culture. Mm-hmm. I was talking about this with a with a friend the other day who who's you know feeling guilty because they turned down a couple jobs, but they needed the space. They just were oh the guilt and we yeah guilt is is crazy. But yeah, oh, turn down oh. jobs or tell a job you can't start until two days later when they wanted you to start because you needed to have that space. It's uh you know what the fucking work ever. will be there. It'll get done. It will be there. It will get done. The work will get there. done. I and, promise, guys. And yeah, you'll get the next phone call. Yeah. And um, to be honest, like, uh, oh, there is something to be said about waiting a few moments, right? And then the problem sometimes goes away. <laughs> Very true. All right. So today we are talking about unions and non-union uh, jobs, union and non-union jobs, right? Uh, we both have our own experiences, our own ideas, and, uh, and we're, so we're here to fight about it. Bring it on. So I would, I've prepared a three minutes opening argument uh, that a lot of people that I know oh, is thundering here. So sorry if you hear that. But my opinion on unions, first of all, they don't make one for what we do. And we've been shunned by every union out there every time we've tried. So there, there's something to be said about the union. So being hired by a company who is a signatory to the union, the only people who don't or cannot belong to one on set are the ones who have to adhere to all of the rules when it comes to time cards. And you have to know that contract inside and out in order to be a good production person on a union job. So union versus non-union, right? Yeah. And so I do both. Um, I'm very well versed in both. And I know exactly how to do non-union jobs in both New York and LA. I think that th- I have a three-minute opening argument uh, about... Bring uh, it on. I know. And it's about the in g- my general view on unions. I absolutely 100% agree with the need for unions a hundred years ago, the working conditions, the wages, everything that was happening, the hours, the work week, uh, you know, like we, it just, it needed to happen. Unions have a place. However, I feel like we're at the point where unions have also sculpted a lot of how um, our industry looks and how white our industry is mm-hmm. and how it is a very much a nepotism and a, um, in New York, you know, you're walked right in if you're, father or mother were in the union. Mm. I also have a, a, you know, like my first real taste of production of, of union in the film industry was being, you know, a production coordinator and understanding that I was the only person, me and the production manager for commercials, of course, and producers and the PAs were the only people on set who were not covered. We had to know all the rules because of time cards and set structure and minimum hirings and meal penalties and all kind. We have to know that contract inside and out. We're not the signature of it. Signature of the, the, the union, obviously mm-hmm. the company that we're working for is, but in order for us to work for the company, we have to know these contracts inside and out. And we have to know SAG contracts inside and out. Right. All so the con- yeah. I have to learn all of that, but I am not covered by these unions. So I always considered that a rub. It was just like, well, why can't I have a place? I'm mm. taking care of your, of your people on my set. And I have to know all the rules that your people, I mean, I know them better than your people do. So I feel that there is an app that 
not only were, um, you know, like large union commercials are a thing, but I do think that they're a, a bit of a dinosaur at this point mm. because it's, it stifles creativity. You can't move fast. And then honestly, the way that we used to do production, as you, as you know, the way we used to do advertising, as we've talked about a million times, people, um, what used to be a very large budget commercial now needs to be chopped into 50 pieces of content because it's not mm-hmm. how we advertise anymore. So all of these things are leading to the point, in my humble opinion, that the union model is obsolete. Yeah, I hear you loud and clear. So give it to me. There. I hear you loud and clear. Yes, Lawrence. Uh, um, I mean, as you said, and that's most of my argument is is the is the concept of the unions when they were created and why were they were created was all for labor protection because people were being abused because crews were being abused and we still can see that some point at sometimes in modern day you can see jobs that are abusive to crew you can see situations that are abusive to crew not on our watch usually because you and I are very protective of our crews. The, the, the level of producer isn't always the same as us. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but you do hear these stories and you do hear some atrocities. And, uh, the, the, you know, I worked a lot in non-union feature films early in my career. And the things that they would try to get away with were, you know, almost criminal. Like, you know, especially music videos, 20-hour days, 26-hour days. I had a 26-hour day once. And if I may, I'm going to name drop for just one moment. Please. please. So Mm. I reconnected with a director who I used to work with in music videos in New York today. His name is Gil Green. And I was explaining to him about this. I know. Fucking love Gil. I think I did a a music video with him. After 15 years. And it was just like, he looks, he's very gray. Sorry, Gil. (laughs) I'm going to fucking send you the show. But I was explaining to him how I used to do music videos, which was very structured. Even though we went 19, 29 hours on a music video, yeah. we, I also understood how to get good help, how to hire good PAs, mm-hmm. how to take care of people. And I understand that unions do not uh, – unions protect from the bad people. I get it. But they also somehow hurt the good people from doing business too. Yeah. It's a this real, is true. I know it's a hard, I'm sorry. So please continue your pro union argument. Well, well, so the, there you go. I mean, that's the thing, you know, the whole concept of unions early on for labor protection, that was very, very much needed in those early days of filmmaking. And it is still needed to this day. So, you know, ha- having, having guidelines or penalties, uh, that, you know, monetary mm-hmm. damages to prevent producers from trying to take advantage um, and, and, and setting up abusive conditions. The other thing that the unions were, especially when you talked about SAG, Screen Actors Guild, which is now SAG-AFTRA, mm-hmm. that was a marker of talent. That was a level of talent. I don't know that if you if, earned. You earned you your fucking place in the earned, union. earned, right? And so all of this, you know, is for, for, you know, being in the grip union, you had to go through all kinds of safety classes, all kinds of training classes, and you had to know the gear. You had to understand um, uh, the craft that you are entering the the local for, right? And so all of those meant something. And and I remember transitioning for out of low budget crappy work into actual union jobs and it was such a blessing because I no longer had to argue with the people above me or the people below me about the rates that we had to pay, the rules we had to follow, 
who we had to hire. And it just made my job so much easier because here's the rate guide. Here are the rules. Mm -hmm. Here's who we had to hire. And here's how this whole thing works. Bam, Mm -hmm. bring it on. And that's when I I think I really excelled and understood so much of the inner workings and so much of the history and so much of, of the politics of it all. And, uh, but then that leads to where we are today. But you were going to say. No, I, I was just going to say that I 100% agree to that. When I was a production manager, it just was like, no, I'm sorry, we can't do it. Like a, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So imagine this, everybody. LA producer comes in to on a big job at, say, Anonymous or RSA. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and, you, and you find Sister Christian as your production manager. And there's, um, we're on a job and they're asking me why the fuck the teamsters are just sitting around all day. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, there's, that's what happens. And it is a union thing. Like if there was so many things about New York that is different yeah. than LA when it comes to being a good production person, that it's amazing that we have that guideline because it did make things easier. And it was just like, sorry, meal penalties. And you remember when local 600 East came oh, out with yeah. their meal penalties after oh four, it, you went into triple time every fucking half hour. And I remember doing a um, production <laughs> managing a job at Yankee stadium where we paid uh, over $110,000 in meal penalties alone. Oh, because we had God. to wait through because we did not break and Wells Hackett was the DP and like I think he made 18 grand in meal buildings. Oh day. my God. And that's the thing. But that was supposed to be the deterrent and Visa just wrote the check because um it it just was the union rule and would they understood the Yankees was a union house, blah blah blah. I yes, there was I there's absolutely something to be respected on that. However, I also have a ton of conversations with local 52 in particular keys like grip gaffer prop you know master all of those and they're like production will only pay us this rate we can never raise our rates because you always know that it's going to be you know 600 for 10 or 650 for 10 and Mm -hmm, that's it mm -hmm. you know and people in places like radical play scale like they can never raise their rates whereas in the non-union world i mean gaffers uh, there's some really great tabletop gaffer and grips in new york that go for eight eight fifty for ten yeah who are non-union yeah. right and they would never get that if the union would never be able to do that and uh, because of the pnw and all the other perks that you get so the other story i'd like to say lawrence and i, I know i'm bogarting the time but <laughs> was um a lovely conversation that i had with tommy o'donnell on a huge job. Mm. I was doing a job for AIG and Jim Zarneski and Smuggler and oh, it was mm, oh my. <laughs> and every single union came to visit that day, mm-hmm. including Maxine from SAG. And if anybody knows Maxine from SAG, you absolutely know that it was such a fucking treat to have her show up on your job. <laughs> and I saw her and, and the Teamster cat, you know, like Lee, the, the head of the Teamsters get into. A nearly a physical altercation. Really? And I'll tell you, we were, I know, yeah, it was a fucking awesome job. So I was at craft, the craft service table shooting the shit with Tommy because the Teamsters are near and dear to my heart. My dad was a truck driver in addition to, you know, farmer and all those things. And I, I was like, Tommy, I grew up on a farm and I still to this day can drive anything you f- put in front of me from a motorcycle to a semi. So, so Tommy O'Donnell and I, you know, shooting the shit, you know, at the craft service table. And I'm just like, so Tom, and you know, like we had a huge issue with like 
driving kids on a school bus? Is it a SAG actor or is it a precision driver? And we found the, the, the magical unicorn of the time, which was, um, you know, a teamster who was also in SAG. So I thought we recovered, but everybody decided to come down. Mike Ryan from DGA, like every fucking person was down there. John Fundis. And, um, but yeah, so whatever, you know, Jim Zarneski and I are just like looking at each other going, this is great. Cause we didn't, we knew we were doing everything right. And mm-hmm. everybody was just fighting the de- the unions were fighting amongst themselves. And, um, so hey Tommy, you know, like I can fucking drive anything. Give me a motorcycle, <laughs> give me a semi, like whatever I can do it because I can, and yeah. I wouldn't fucking say it if I couldn't. Yeah. Right? And he was like, of course, Christian, no problem. We have lady teamsters. They answer the phones and they do the Oh paperwork. my God. And I was like, you piece of shit. Yeah. And of course I had a great working relationship with him. And of course it was probably a joke that he always said, but, but honestly, that is the union mentality. It's the, um, it's the, in New York, it's a predominantly white situation. First of all, second of all, um, you know, I know a lot of unions out there, including the DGA, will have a, um, a diversity, like you can go on and search for diversity or search for something like all of the New York unions. They don't even have websites that you can go on and look for things. So um, it's a secret. It's like a secret fucking society. Right. Yeah. That only You can only get in if somebody yeah. who knows who it is approves you. And I mean, it's it, you, your worth is based on who you are, not not your apps, not your experience level. Yeah. And of course there are plenty of lovely people in the, like the best crews out there are you are union based on what even, I mean, it's just based on what you just said is that they're artisans. So usually a union job means like people have earned the place to be there, but not every person in a union has earned it. Very true. Yes, that is very true. And, and I think that's even widely more of a problem in, in SAG after now. Uh, because that used to be a marker of talent, very much so. Yeah. Like you could, in <laughs> yeah. your auditions, you could tell the difference. So it was like, wait, this is a non-union. Yeah, you can tell the difference. So what I will say... Not anymore. Yeah, what I will say is that uh, I wholeheartedly believe that power corrupts and money corrupts. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> this union... These, this union, and the system is built around us. Ideology. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And and I, I had a conversation with another friend of mine who's who's in a local that I will not give you the number of, uh, but they uh, are often involved in the in the in the board meetings, and they had a, a conversation where they were listening in as the the old old white men sitting there, uh, mostly retired. <laughs> there was maybe I think there was one female on the board who hasn't worked in a bajillion years, all of them beyond the scope of current modern day media consumption, right? Not Mm -hmm. understanding how media is consumed anymore. And what they said though, is they said, you know, when there was any sort of questioning or or uprising or anything, their state, their stance was that everyone in this local is happy because we don't hear, they don't come to us. We don't get the complaints. We do get a few, get this, we do get a few complaints, but those are just from the troublemakers. So they've created this whole system that if you speak up, you're a troublemaker. If you don't speak up, you're happy and everything is perfectly fine. And it's just, you know, 
And it's like I had a, I had a, I had a conversation with Bob Bergen, who's who's a, a voice actor. He is the voice of Porky Pig, and he's very vocal about SAG union and non-union and all the, all this kind of stuff and what's happening in 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 the landscape these days. And 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 what he said to, about SAG applies to to these unions about the, you know this new media contract. They just don't have yeah. any understanding of what new media is. This is it, guys. The internet is our new TV. And, they, and, and everyone is so, everyone in terms of unions are so behind the times of understanding how this works, how, how uh, content is being made at the speed it's being made and the volume of work that's out there. And especially in voiceover, I know I keep going back to that because we had a conversation about it and they have no, they're just like, oh, there's just a few non-union jobs out there that barely pay anything. Very untrue. There's so much non-union work out there that's paying scale or even above scale. And so right. they've, SAG, IATSE have just kind of fallen behind the times and on how content is consumed and how, and that reflects on how we have to create the content. So I do agree with you there that there, there is there is issues that need to be addressed and uh, and power corrupts. Thank you. And then lastly, <laughs> my last point, Lawrence, will be that the people that we're advertising to these days oh, yeah. and the people who are in charge of the advertising have never, ever had a use for a union. And I know why. It's because there were unions protecting the, protecting the employment. Absolutely. Um, and that's why they, there's not a need for a union anymore is because it's a smoothed out situation, you know, like in their brains. It's like, well, we'll just like pay people right. You know, we're doing the right thing. You know, I, I understand that. However, because they don't, they're not in the, mindset of ever having to fight or negotiate for their own wages because there's a standard out there they don't understand why the need of it and so it's inherently the need for the union in their minds is gone so they want to do the jobs non-union it doesn't matter to me because guess what the unions made it very clear to me that i'm not worth it to them yeah so i like loyalty wise like why the fuck would i be loyal to somebody who doesn't give a shit about me and i'm able to negotiate my own thing but i do see the need for what i would call a an alliance or a group mm -hmm. like the union to me a union is um the the term is pretty rough but uh because of who the only people i think that it protects are white people to be honest, um, in, in the film industry. Um, but I, uh, I do think that there is a need for a production alliance because then we can actually protect those and teach and learn and grow. And that's what I think unions should be. They should have apprenticeships. Yes. They should be reaching yes. out and saying, like, uh, again, I'm going to call another one out. So when I call, I call the DGA to find in New York, I, on their website, their diversity searches were not happening. So I called the DGA members fucking services and said, Hey, I'm looking at, um, could you please send me over, you know, like a list of your BIPOC, you know, members in New York city. And the person who is member services who answered the phone said, what is, what are you asking for oh eligibility? <laughs> and I said, no, I said BIPOC. And that person said, you mean, I don't understand what you're asking for. I'm saying, I'm like, I said, your diversity. So your people of color roster, I'd like to get that for New York city, please. And it took three days for anybody to respond to me. <laughs> and that is just bullshit. Yeah. So it just goes to the need. And then I got like a, a apology call from like the, 
website person because it was down. I'm like, this isn't, this isn't, mm-hmm. you, know, you guys, you, you don't know me. I mean, but so, I do know you. So, so you're very, you're very true. It's like the, the union itself is they're not there. evolving. They're, they're not exi- evolving. Yeah. They're not they're evolving. Not, they're existing. They're not evolving. They're existing. The rules that are that are there still protect abuses of the crew, and that's important. So that needs to be ma- maintained. The people at the unions, the people at the unions, are not serving the membership. They're just collecting the dues. They're not there to help them with really much of anything. They're they're behind the times. They're not evolving. Something has to change. As long as as long as crews can stay, but what I would say though is, you know, if if you know you start working outside of that, I can see more and more at the rate we're going right now with the volume of work and and budget shrinking, more and more abuse is going to take place. So there has to be it, some it, kind of balance. I agree. I one hundred percent agree, and I think that that's where, as production people, we can protect the non-union people because there's yeah. so many great non-union there talent are. out there, yeah, who cannot afford to pay. So they they get protected by paying a lump sum of dues that they yeah. cannot afford, yep. but it can be financed. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and it's like I, you know what? Um, why don't we rethink that structure? Yeah. Like how much money does he, how much does the DGA have in the bank? Oh my gosh. You know, like, I, I know like, okay, but you, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. But yes, I would like to reserve an entire show for my feelings about the AICP. <laughs> okay. We can do that coming up on a very special producer's happy hour. I want to say this was a great fight. I love it. Um, I want to keep having this fight, but, but I also want to, I won. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> I do want to right, talk about. I, would like a vote. I do want for two I want. minutes. I want to talk about Appendix J because uh, Christian, you sent me an yeah. email today saying that mm-hmm. you know the extension of the AICP contract that 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 uh, structures our testing protocols extends, and I think it ends at the end of this month. It was extended. It ends at the end of this month. Uh, but Appendix J by the by uh, by LA uh, Public Health. County of LA Public Health, they've up- updated their Appendix J, which is kind of ev- everything that affects the film and TV industry. And they, d- they do now make allotments for, this just came out like four days ago, they do make allotments for uh, n- no testing needed uh, for people who are fully vaccinated against COVID-19 or people who have, and this is really interesting, recovered from laboratory confirmed COVID-19 within the past 90 days and are asymptomatic. Don't have to test anymore. Now, we, wow. if you're AICP, you still have to go by their guidelines because that contract's know, still in effect. Hold on. I fucking, I understand uh, that I send it to you, but I did not read it. So thank you for that dissertation. You're welcome. I dove <laughs> so in. Basically, um, if it's AICP, there's stuff still, but I mean, I can see them evolving pretty quickly because the cost of testing is drowning people oh my god and it's also like between like it's also for budgeting for companies for clients for everybody it's like a fucking knife fight right now to explain to clients still that we have to do we still have to do we're governed by the we're governed by this we're governed by the state governed by a piece of paper that says we have to if i have to fucking say that again if i have to say that again i'm gonna fucking scream because until there is a consensus about what we're supposed to be doing we need to just keep doing it but it's nice to know that on the horizon Uh there is the Uh yeah we're going to 
start seeing this go away. Yes, exactly. Thank goodness. And they also put in a little note in here, proof of vaccination will remain with the person and will not be collected or documented by the staff. Staff should document review of proof of the person's exemption from screening testing. So, yes, there needs to be some sort of system where you just... Chain on that. Yeah, you just... Who saw it? I saw it. Okay. <laughs> exactly, right? Uh-huh. Well, just like you got to sign the I-9 because you saw the ID and Social Security card. Who brings their Social Security card to set? I mean, you know. So, we'll see how things go. To use a fucking horrible phrase... With the light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, it's actually um, refreshing to know that I don't, that the beginning of the having to work triple hard is starting to ebb a bit. Producers Happy Hour was created with the help of Christopher Daniels, who is a treatment designer and super handsome. He also created our logo and branding. And Kyle Puccia, who is a music composer for commercials, film, and TV, he created our show music. This episode was edited by Eric Beals, who has the patience of a saint. Yes. Absolutely. Thanks for listening, everybody. With uh, with all good graces, we'll be back next week, hopefully, if we're not too busy. We're gonna, I mean, but yeah. come hell or high water, brother. We'll we're be back. We'll be back next week. Send your voice recordings and emails to producershappyhour at gmail.com. Hey, Christian, how can people get a hold of you directly? They can get me at sisterchristianproduces.com. And Lawrence, what if people want you? How do they get you? Two ways, voiceoflawrence.com for voiceover, lawrencetlewis.com for producing. That's it. See ya. Bye.